Hey everybody, Code Pen Radio 371, another super special guest on incredibly creative dude, good writer, sharer of front-end stuff, front-end developer himself, John Kantner. How you doing, John? Good, how are you, Chris? Good, good. Oh, fantastic. So, so yeah, you're just kind of a long-time CodePen user. When I was like, making my list of all the people I wanted to talk to, I was just kind of flipping through things that I've liked, and your name came up a bunch. I've starred a heck of a lot of pens from from Mr. Kantner here. A lot of just interesting creative stuff, very different stuff, you know. Maybe you recognize John from the Emoji Train, one of my favorite pens of all time. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my boss loves that one. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is from a bunch of years back. Uh, it looks like you kind of updated it at one point, but just to just to refactor some sass, which I feel you, man. I feel you. But anyway, before we get into any of all that specific code stuff, what are you what are you doing lately? It sounds like your uh, your Twitter bio and you, in fact, the T-shirt that nobody can see is representing a place called One Trust. That's where you're still at. Yeah. So I'm a front end developer there. So, you know, the company provides programs for privacy, security, and governance to help comply with privacy laws like the GDPR. So it's really all about staying ahead of the game and complying to and implementing best privacy and security practices. So they're based in Atlanta, Georgia, and London in the UK. Uh So I work on a part of the document redaction app called Redacted.ai. So it's like an online PDF viewer, but pieces of sensitive information on the document are automatically detected and redacted after upload. So it's a pretty mind-boggling process Wow! of, of, of how all that works. Yeah, And then you can manually redact more content or undo some redactions and re- review everything to, you know, to ensure you're satisfied with the redactions. So right. I've been coding many of the UI components drawn by the UX designer as well as writing ember tests since the, the app is built on ember yeah and the, yeah there are times that i have to fix some bugs and accessibility issues either i find them or somebody else approaches me with them that that's the job is building building components working in ember writing ember tests and then whatever else comes up at you the uh, fixing bugs I don't know what what kind of problems are you solving day to day. I mean, we covered the what and stuff, but I'm always interested in like what does it look like. You wake up, you know, and you you sit down to work. You're a front end developer. It's what it says in your business card, you know. What's what's a what's a day like? The day of John at One Trust, you know. Well, when I when I first get on, you know, it's like sometimes I see like change requests on PRs, and and some, sometimes I see a, a bunch of new tickets created for me on some platform we use called linear uh-huh so there's enough people there that uh, i've never heard of linear actually but i imagine it's a oh an issue tracking tool sure so it's yeah. like when people say jira they it almost means like jira and or something else like that tickets in which that you tag people in and stuff so there's enough people working that there i mean if you've got two offices one in london even uh, I'm sure the the number of employees is is relatively high, and one of the ways you all keep on track is 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 like is this linear tool. Yeah, and, yeah, they, they got offices around the world too. You know, just headquartered in two places. The PDF reduction. I don't. Even, I think of PDFs as kind of an accessibility problem in themselves. That'd be a funny ticket to wake up to. Be like, you know what? We're getting out of the PDF game. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it does do, do more than PDFs. Also, does emails and. You know, CSV files, which kind of looks like 
Microsoft Excel. Yeah, it's like really interesting. Yeah, so you can even yeah, redact stuff in you know, CSVs and emails. Yeah, I mean, what is that? So that's that's some other technology. I mean, I'm sure you're a part of that too, but it's on, that probably has, that, there's some artificial intelligence brain, right, that sucks in a file. And I was like, oh gosh, the stuff in column number eight is social security numbers. So we better, you know, go into those cells and turn them into X's or something because that's going to fail your security compliance for sure. Is that the idea? The entity detection is managed by backend, I think. Right. Yeah, so it's like mostly the UI stuff and, you know, it's got like client-side scripting things. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so 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 you're working at OneTrust, you're building components, making them accessible, doing doing the, everybody's, the beauty of being a front-end developer, all that work. Uh, but you clearly have a, a extremely creative side as well. I don't know if you... Uh, how much you get to flex that at work, or if, is that the is that why you uh, turn to creative coding at, at other times or whatever? You know, something like the emoji train, like I mentioned, is uh, just an incredible piece of creative work. Yeah, well, there there are times I have to pull off a couple tricks on some of the components components I've been building. It has like accordions, like kind of jQuery like, mm-hmm. and then a, a couple of you know, like other animations, you know, like for, you know, splash screens, like how to get the page turning to work. The page turning, is that like, is there animations involved? Like click from page one to page two and something satisfying happens? Yeah, like they have this, have an SVG illustration, you know, like five, five different ones actually. It's, it's like when you turn the page, it, it, the, the illustration like continues off from the, the previous. Yeah, you know, so I got to use a lot of my, you know, SVG skills there. Yeah, that's awesome. I was curious about SVG in general. Is it have you uh, you have a couple of great pens like the long cat scroller, the long cat spinner? It seems like some of those leverage a little bit of SVG, right? Uh, um, you know, but the long cat that that's pure CSS. Yeah, Is it? yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been using SVG, you know, for a, a couple of those you know, spinners I made. You know, so you got the the, the ac- acrobatic one, the, the skateboard, and you know the, the one that the, where the worm just ricochets and then gets back on track. <laughs> Tell me about one of them, like the like the skateboard spinner. I'll describe it for the audience. There's like a there's just a circle, and there's a little like part of the circle that that tr- that travels within the path. And you're like, oh, I get it. You know, I could make that happen. But then all of a sudden, the thing flips in the middle of the air and does a does a flip and then and then slides right back into the circle super clever can you tell me how it was built a bit so for, for all three of these they start off with an ordinary ring where the worm just goes you know round and round in a in a gradient for an interesting effect uh-huh so then i would draw the path in illustrator and export them and then th- there goes the hour or two of or three of adjusting the animation and times until it feels right uh-huh so, you know, the skateboard one, however, was awfully tricky and the hardest to do of the three. So if you ever watched you know, snowboarding or skateboarding, uh, the ramp tricks are what this resembles. So to pull this off, there had to be two other versions of the worms on the sides. So I planned all this out in Illustrator, you know, using paths that start straight and then curve halfway. And then... The worm would need to straighten out while in the air. So 
that's what the straight side is for. And then I had to get the transformer oranges right as well. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, because it's really, it's really tricky those. You know, because yeah, transformer oranges in SVG is not exactly the same as it is in you know typical CSS because you know the origins like is always in the, in the top left corner. Right, but you can move it right with transform origin. Yeah. Dang, this is wild. Yeah, I, I remember uh, it was kind of one of the reasons people, at least in the past, I don't know if the situation has gotten better, reached for Greensock to do some of these animations because that was even part of their marketing was like, you know how Transform Origin sucks in SVG? Don't worry, we normalize it across browsers. <laughs> but you no, no JavaScript in use at all here, pure CSS. Oh, definitely no. <laughs> it's a good, there's some, there's some subtle stuff happening on on all three of these, which are just absolutely epic pens, I must say. But the the straightening out that you mentioned is a nice touch because I can imagine taking that little curved nugget that fits within the circle and just leaving it the way it is and and making it spin in the air and come back down. But it just I don't you're I don't think it would feel right, you know. Like when it it's so nice that it it's straight when it comes back into the circle and it looks like it's the circle itself that's kind of forcing it back into that shape. That's nice. And it, <laughs> really it probably took you just as much time to do the straightening as as anything else. Yeah, it's yeah, sometimes I think of like extra effects to put in there like for the yeah, the ricocheting one, for example. Yeah, the off the track. Had, had these this extra physics because kind of kind of look too plain without them. Mm. See, that's another good point, right? Like, like this would be pretty nice pen if all. I think it'd be a pretty nice pen if all it did was go around in a circle because the the colors are nice, the, you know, the grays are nicely chosen, the blues are nicely chosen. But no, of course, it goes the extra mile and it goes, and it looks like gravity pulls it off the top because it's going too slow and then it starts bouncing around. And this would be easy to miss, but you're saying that, you know, the, the physics being like when the worm hits the bottom of the circle, it's like the worm has weight and it jiggles the circle. And it's so cool. That's what you're talking about, right? The the physics of weight. Yeah. That's great. And then there's one more, the acrobatic preloader, which I guess is a little smoother. Again, it's this little worm that jumps out of the circle, but no physics here, but still a, a very satisfying thing to watch. Yeah. What clever idea. Did you get to use these anywhere, or are they purely just kind of creative exercises? Well, they're merely creative exercises. It's like they're... Yeah, a, a couple times I used SVG on on the job, like for that some splash screen, for example. Right, right, right. Yeah. So there's so many things like this in that like satisfying little UI component thing. There's a, a, a like a stepper component that you did, and it's really kind of beautiful. You you click through you know one two three four five like a number input, only the numbers slide horizontally and they get bigger and they change opacity and. And it's like there's all these opportunities that's like it's it's it would be pretty good with just the stuff I described, but then there's like little extra touches, like as you click, a little circle like emanates from it, like material design and stuff. You have a good knack for like adding just enough extra pizzazz to a to a UI component to to give it really make it really satisfying. It's like an uh, input type progress kind of thing, although it looks like in this case it's 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 a div with the proper aria rolls on it. But for Christmas, that's like a a, can, a candy cane loading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I was gonna say. I was like, were you, were you talking about the 
you know, the countdown thing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to keep throwing random ones at you, but there's just so many to choose from and talk about. It's great. And you can see your kind of accessibility desire come out through these, you know, having all these ARIA roles on there. It would be so e easy to do some of this stuff, totally ignoring uh, accessibility things. And I, th I don't know if it's part of the culture of, of CodePen or we're just lucked out and got nice people. But I think a lot of the demos you see in CodePen are not, they don't just throw accessibility to the wind. They, they take care of it. And I think that's cool to see. Yeah, accessibility is you know, something we get to take seriously. And, you know, sometimes we just take it too lightly. You know, so I always you know, go around the screen reader to make sure you can, you know, interact with a component without having to use a mouse right yeah you know, yeah you know, the screenwriter uses voiceover yeah so it really helps out with how you know certain things you know should be read yeah absolutely and i suppose it might be your work rubbing off on you i mean i don't know maybe you were maybe that's why you got this job but if you're working at a place and the the whole vibe of the place is compliance You'd think uh, even if even if you don't directly help with accessibility compliance, that th you know the website itself better take it pretty seriously. Is it is it a pretty good uh, accessibility culture at OneTrust? Yeah, I think it's something we we take into account. Well, that's good. So you've done some some uh, some writing as well. It's it's kind of cool. Back I used to run CSS Tricks, as you know, and he wrote a uh, a number of articles for me over there, which I appreciate. Thank you. I uh, wrote some articles on dev.2, wrote some articles over on, even on CodePen back when we had posts as well. Oh, yeah. I have like one on there. Yeah, I think that was about like, you know, online, you know, tech that died in the 2010s. Because I had this <laughs> huge table of like everything that discontinued. It was like a, a lot of Google products, though. I mean, and there, there was like a graveyard for dead Google products. <laughs> I was like, there, wow. this isn't a, this isn't a, a pretty darn comprehensive list. This is kind of a, just a side project of yours to 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 watch declining tech usage, or uh, did this data come from somewhere else? Well, I've been doing I've been doing my research, yeah, because you know, because I'm mean, like thinking about everything that you just wouldn't be supported anymore, or just, like went out of business. <laughs> before the, you know, like decline usage or yeah oh you even list the reason which is which is actually ultra interesting you know declining declining usage it feels like any one of them could have could have said that there's a lot of interesting you're right about the google though let's see google search wiki google base google gears google hotspot google blog search google labs google squared google rebang <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard of half of these Google Buzz. Yeah, Google, I, haven't, Google. I haven't even heard of 90% of them. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Google Video, rendered obsolete by YouTube. God, that feels like a 10,000 years ago, but it wasn't really. But 10, it's oh, that's interesting. It could be the 10-year the anniversary of Google Video death. Man, there's a lot. I wonder. It's, it's part of it makes you. It's sad, right? Because there's a there's a level of trust that gets broken. Then, if you're like, oh, new thing, you're like, well, what are the what is it? Fifty fifty. If this is even going to stick around, why would I invest my time in the usage of this thing? And then probably on the flip side, people are being like, hey, they're trying stuff. You know, that's how that's how startups work. You know. Yeah. 
Another one to ask you about that I think is interesting is you did some writing on Dev too as well. Is that what they call yeah. it, the Dev community? And it, you you know plucked one off from your old blog, I think. But but two of your articles on there are essentially about code golfing, like taking a taking an idea and trying to s- squeeze it down into a tweet sized thing. There's some there's snow, I think. And another one, like Flappy Bird or something, in the in the size of a tweet, that's just so different. Yes, yeah. I, I get repo. Yeah, having those, well, it, it is a challenge. You know, it's like it's inspired by that Tron thing. A Tron thing, like a movie Tron. Yeah, it's like a game called that. Yeah, it's like, it kind of looks like Snake. I don't know. How do you start? What's the process? It looks like in both of these cases, you use the the body element for some reason. So maybe it's the, maybe it's less characters to use like the onload of the body or something than, than a script. And generally they're canvas based, right? So you can draw into the canvas with a, a few succinct commands. Yeah. And you drop it, the clothing tags since they just take up bytes. You know, so so all, all you really need though is an opening body and an opening canvas. And you, know, you can even leave out the, the quotes as long as there's only one value he's like, he's like a, a single you know value of capital c for canvas yeah yeah you, you don't even need to use get element by id and javascript it just works that way oh right like if you give if you give the canvas an id and you might as well just make it like one character right because who cares then like window dot that character is a reference without you ever having to having to do anything yeah i see that a lot on codepen because it's you know people are making little tiny demos and why fill them up with boilerplate code even if you're not doing this like minification code golfing stuff sometimes it's just nice to just go i don't know window dot button rather than have to query selector for it or get element by id or something and it it's like a quirk but it's so built into the platform that it's like why not use it in a way it's like there's nothing wrong with using ids in html so because that exists why not why not use it so svg you know pure css crazy animations and ideas and concepts and javascript and canvas and i'm finding that true of the creative people i talk to is that it's not so much a leaning into any one particular technology it's more about picking the technology that works for the idea. Is that true for you, or do you go on little technology-specific vendors? <laughs> um, well, I really like to hop around trying different things. So like, it really helps me gain experience in those areas. So it would be specific. It would be like, you know what? I don't, I don't actually know Canvas that well. I'm going to work on Canvas. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't done any of those in a while. Yeah, I should do those sometime again well don't do it on my account but i think the end results are are really astoundingly cool yeah you come up with clever ideas what back in the you know when you wrote for css tricks i realize it's been a couple of years ago but there was this um you know there's there's constantly chatter about like javascript not running on the web like there's a good chance your JavaScript can fail. It can fail for any re- any of 10 reasons, you know? Maybe maybe you should build a website without JavaScript. No, that's stupid, you know? It's just a kind of a classic thing that developers like to yell at each other about. But this article for CSS Tricks is, what about CSS, though? 
what if I intentionally disabled all CSS and then and then browsed the web that way? What would that be like? And this was just a, a kind of a, it wasn't, I don't think it, you were trying to be intentionally hilarious, but it, it kind of worked out that way. Like, how do, can you, can you manage to buy a product on Amazon with no CSS? No, I don't, don't think I would. It's kind of funny. It's just what, what that looks like. I'm like, oh, I was like, where am I? <laughs> it's funny to see some things that end up like laying out okay because i don't know somebody like accidentally used a table or something and that implied some i don't know some structure where you wouldn't expect it but for the most part it's just like a you know like a column of long text essentially right yeah it's like a lot lot of things with missing text and it was a looks like an accessibility nightmare Oh yeah, is that what it surfaces? That's interesting because of course it, the page is going to look broken, right? If you tell me, oh, I turned CSS off, well, the, yeah, the page is going to look like crap then. But theoretically, if it's coded really well from an HTML perspective, it should make some level of sense, right? <laughs> but if you just see ten radio buttons with nothing next to them, that does highlight an accessibility problem, right? It's saying there's no label next to this thing. Yeah, wild. You looked at. Duck, duck, go. Could have been worse. It almost feels like we should have applied a A through F <laughs> rating to it or something, but it's still pretty satisfying. So what else is on your mind? Are you are you um, excited about any particular new tech, playing with anything right now that you think is cool? Well, I do look forward to the new has selector in CSS. So I'm waiting for that to get wide support. Is there anything that pops to mind as to why, you know? Well, I think it's going to, you know, make certain, you know, challenges easier. Because I, I've yet to see what real good use cases that there are for that. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, there there's there's certainly some, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know, like form has invalid or something. You could put a big red border around the entire form rather than just needing to, I don't know, select just the input that's invalid or something. I think that will be really interesting. I mean, that that would be a a CSS tricks post that I'd be like begging somebody to write, you know, like, like 10 interesting use cases for, for has. Cause yeah, I think it happens a lot. It's almost like you need to keep a little developer diary or something. Cause I feel like over the, the my career is in years of CSS work, the times where your brain goes like, man, if I only had a parent selector essentially, which is basically what has is, then I could accomplish this thing I need to do, but I can't. So I need to think of some workaround or do it with JavaScript or something. That's come up in my mind, but now, but then when you're asked, you know, like, well, well what was it? I'm like, I don't know, can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's good ones, and I, I think it will be different than like header has H2 or something like that. That's so simple that I think it, it'll the more interesting use cases will come up with with pseudo selectors and I don't know combinations of classes and stuff. Yeah, that that one's that one's going to be juicy. And what are they what are, what's the deal right now? I think it's I think it's in stable safari and nothing else. You happen to remember? Um yeah, I think I think, I think safari now supports it by default in in the latest release. You know, just waiting for the like other browsers to catch up. Yeah. And the other thing that came to mind is container queries. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that looks exciting. <laughs> Heck yeah. For, especially, I mean, if your day-to-day job is working on componentry, are you imagining these Ember components that you're authoring, like 
pulling container query styles right into those components and having it like literally help out your day-to-day work? Well, it kind of feels hacky just using JavaScript to do that things. You know, so I'm using just, you know, good old media queries for parts of those. Yeah. Oh, that's what you're, you're being forced to use now or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I just picture that, like, if your site is built on a JavaScript framework anyway, and you're scoping the styles in there anyway, the container queries are just, oh, they're just perfect for that world. I can't wait to. So, yeah, I, I would think you put your finger on it. Like, the, the two best things, and I know the list of, like, stuff that's coming in CSS in 2022 is is long, and there's scope, and there's, I don't know, cascade layers and all kinds of interesting stuff. I like it all, but I think I agree with you that those two are probably the best things that CSS is going to get in a long time. Uh, I'll put links to to learning more about those in the show notes. I bet there's some pretty good experiments right on CodePen itself I could point you to as well. So Yeah, lots to look for. Yeah, a lot of stuff out there. I'll put a link to everything that we talked about in this show in the show notes, including john's pens and experiments and writings and all that stuff so you can uh, uh find and follow john a uh, pleasure to have you on john any last words for the people i don't think so <laughs> yeah right on and have a good day we'll see you next time bye-bye yeah, yeah you too yeah yeah thanks for having me pleasure Eight.